Okay, so, so since we're talking about this anointing with oil, so you think that it was a command at least for certain groups of people. Okay. Would then you suggest that based on what you know right now, that it was only a command to certain people at certain times? Would, would, could we transport ourselves forward to Ojai in 2014 and say that it is a command today? Yes. You would say yes? It's a, it's a very good suggestion. A very good suggestion. Okay, so less than the command. Yeah. A good suggestion. If we go by the Bible, then it's a command. If, if someone is sick, yeah. we're supposed to call the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, and pray for them. Okay, so the New Testament um, <laughs> command uh, for the anointing by elders in the church for those that are sick, you would consider to be uh, literal and a command for the church today. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Oh. Well, we're going to get into that. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to get into that. Uh, does it matter? Well, does it matter before we get into that? Because we are going to look at that. Because uh, there there is a lot that Scripture has to offer in order to answer this question. Now, the question, uh, of course, is why don't we? I don't know if there's a really. I don't know if there is an answer to the question. Why doesn't the church today anoint with oil? Now, some churches do. Have you ever seen it done in this church? No. Ah. I've seen them do uh, a baby dedication and write the baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Calvary Chapel has done it. Okay, Calvary Chapel does it. Uh, some churches have it in their tradition, and, and some people don't. And some people, it's, yeah. in some church traditions, it's, it's, it happens, but it's very infrequent, special occasions. Um, so, um, what is the... In the in the briefest way possible, what is the history of of anointing with oil in the church? Mm-hmm. If you could give it a just from your understanding, mm-hmm. yeah, historically, absolutely. Well, I know that David was anointed, I think, three times in his being four being the king and then Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, just in, in, in generic, in generic terms, because we're going to look at a whole bunch of scripture tonight. One, two, three, four, five, six. <coughs> Only eighteen scriptures. Well, I had to pare it down quite a bit. Of a prayer of faith from James that talks about that? Sure. It says, if any one of you are in trouble, you should pray. This is James 5.50. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up if he has if in it. If he kills Jesus, to send to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
Prayer, faith, anointing. There's a lot going on in that passage yeah. of Scripture, isn't there? Yeah. There's a lot that's going on there. We're going to look at that because you stole, you stole right Sunday. There. Sure. I said Calvary Chapel does that on a very rare occasion when someone is very sick. Very sick. And I was very, very sick to, to the stage of killing myself. Wow. And that's when the oil was laid on me. So you've had the experience. Yes. Outstanding. So what does I want to know more about that in just a minute because I have ten questions that but we're going to pose. That it was just done all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and some people do do it all the time, and it's a very regular it's a very regular thing in some church traditions uh, within Protestantism. Okay, and so, um, uh, but before we go there, because I, that's one of the questions I'm going to have. We're going to have ten questions here that I'm going to pose to you, and it's on, on the handout because I'd like to think through this because it becomes quite. Significant, I think, uh, in terms of understanding uh, what what God has intended uh, in terms of of this this anointing. And um, uh, before I spill all the beans, let's take a look at what does the word anoint mean. Mm-hmm. Right, let's let's start with with the with the basis. Let's 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 get a definition mm-hmm. because you know my two favorite <laughs> Bibles to use are Bibles. Mm-hmm. One favorite Bible, but dictionaries. Dictionaries. That's the that's, that's the word I was looking for. Okay. Right. By definition, what's my favorite dictionary, Ernie? Your 1957 my 1957 Webster's. Okay. When words meant something. Okay. So my 1957 Webster says this: Anoint to rub over with oil to apply as a sacred rite. And my Holman's Bible dictionary says to pour or apply oil over someone or something to consecrate, induct, ordain, declare sacred, set apart, or make holy. So I have a Bible Bible dictionary definition and a secular dictionary definition and it's interesting uh, there is some, there is some consistency. Well, I like the 1957 because it's not nearly as secular as you might think. So this anoint word means what? Set apart, consecrate, make holy. What else? Those are the theological things. What about what's the practical thing that even the Holman rub over, rub over, or on, or pour? Yeah. Okay. So it has the idea by definition that there is oil. This anointing has oil by definition has oil involved, and or I'll repeat that. And or it is a process by which somebody or something is made holy, um, set apart, uh, ordained, uh, and or in other uh, words, prepared for some action. Okay? All right. And so that is the definition of anoint. Now, here is passing up. So these are the scripture references that we'll use in the order that we'll use them. Yeah. I got ten questions. So 
So as those are going around, first question is, and we're going to answer all these questions before we go home. This is not an 11-week series. <laughs> okay, so the first question is, is oil necessary to be anointed? Is oil necessary to be anointed? No. 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 Any yeses or maybes? In the biblical sense, I think yes. In the biblical sense, yes? Sometimes. Pardon me? Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay, some yeses, some biblical senses, and some sometimes, and probably a few I don't knows. Yeah? Okay, we're going to answer that question. We are going to answer that question biblically tonight. Second question is, where and under what circumstances has an anointing been used in your church experience or tradition? And Brenda just said that she had hands laid on her and she was very sick and there was an anointing with oil. By, and it was, was it done by the elders in the church? It was done by the pastor. By the pastor himself. Okay, well the pastor, in, from a biblical point of view, would be considered an elder in the church, right? Um, and, uh, and there was an outcome of that. Yes. You're here. Yes. Praise God. Huh? Praise God. Yes. There was a healing that took place from that anointing. Yes. That's power. There was a healing and there was anointing. And I... That's power. Yes. That's God's power. That is the power of the Spirit through the work of that anointing. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you are a living example of that. Who else has had an experience in their church history? Um, my brother-in-law is a, is a minister and I have been sick over the last... 15, 20 years, and a number of times he has anointed me with the holy oil. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And you're still here. Yeah, I'm still here. And you're still here. <laughs> okay. And in what, in, in, in what, what kind of a, uh, if I can ask, what kind of a church tradition? Um, uh, Christian. Okay. Christian church. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. February fifth, nineteen ninety-eight. Um, I was anointed as an intercessor by Brooke Gill mm-hmm. that night he accepted the Lord and then he passed it. You know, he said the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Powerful. Powerful. Three powerful experiences there. Anybody else? Baby dedication. Sally? Yeah, baby uh, dedication we've seen. I was going to go to Brazil and I was there. With oil. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's biblical. And we're going to see that as we look at these biblical references. So, so what does it mean when you hear someone say or and or hear them pray an anointing over someone or something based on this definition that we now have of anointing these experiences what does it mean if somebody is praying uh, and indicating that this person or this thing is anointed what does that mean is that okay give me an example okay Mm-hmm. A consecration, as it were. Okay. All right. And is there any special power in the oil that is used in an anointing? 
Because not in the oil itself. Not in the oil itself. It's in the experience between the Spirit being right there between. Okay. Right there between you and the pastor. Okay, so it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Anything else? So, so does everybody agree that there's no special power in the oil, or is there? There's, it's just, it seals. It like. It seals. Okay. It seals the the moment, for example, when David was uh, anointed by Samuel the prophet. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't mean he was king yet, but it sealed him for that position to initiate the preparation. And is the sealing symbolic of something? Or is there some physical property of the oil it's that is symbolic meaning? of um, God's promise over his life? Okay. All right. I like that. Any other ideas? In Psalm 23, which is different, but uh, he says, "You, you anoint my head with oil." Um, I did a little study on it, and I mm-hmm. and I found out that the actual shepherds would give their sheep oil over their heads to protect their nostrils from being infiltrated from. Uh, like pestilence, like uh, you know, flies, larvae, and they would you know put lay eggs in their nostrils, <coughs> and stuff, so the, the oil would would uh, would seal, would protect, it'd be like a bug off sort of thing. Glad you brought that up. Glad you brought that up because this whole anointing with oil, which we're going to see in the Old Testament times, is more of a pouring of oil. See, we we think about it today in a real sanitized, uh, evangelical kind of a way. Okay? And, but the reality is that in Old Testament times, we are going to see, uh, biblically, where the anointing that took place was a pouring out of a ram's horn oftentimes. The oil was, was in the ram's horn, and they would pour it over. And that came from the shepherds who did that exact thing. They would pour oil as as an anointing over these sheep and it was it was a medicinal thing it was preventative maintenance basically mm-hmm. and uh, and it was to it was to protect and really bless the sheep because if they weren't so aggravated with the flies and the gnats and the ticks and the fleas from this from this oil that was on them because they couldn't penetrate through that oil um, the, the shepherd was actually blessing the sheep and so this, this whole anointing process, if you were a Jew, you would understand completely this anointing process and the physical properties of it in terms of it being a, a blessing. It's interesting. And so therefore, we're going to see in the original um, uh, anointings, it, it was a pouring. Probably considered messy by our standards. I think we like the sanitized version. No. Uh, but then the church has been sanitized in a lot of ways and, and some of them not so good wow. some of them not so good um, and so um, how about the anointing oil used how, how was it used we just talked about it being sanitized there are different kinds of oils um, Robert excuse me no go ahead it was probably olive oil. That's what they had. Okay. In those days. It was probably olive oil. Any other ideas? It was mixed with spices and stuff, depending on what it was used for. Okay, so it was probably olive oil. It was some of it was mixed depending on what it was used for. So you're suggesting there were different uses, mm-hmm. different anointings. There was sacred anointing oil for the temple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. 
Old Testament scholar. I know for a fact that my brother-in-law uses extra virgin olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil. Okay. In the church today, do you think it would matter if there was an anointing that was going to take place in this place? Could we do an anointing right here, right now? Yeah. Okay. If we did that, would it matter what oil was was used from a... Obviously, everything that we do here comes from a biblical point of view, right? So would it matter if it was extra virgin uh, olive oil or if it was some concoction that we had come up with? Uh, it should be cold <laughs> question is, does, would it matter? No. It would not matter. It's also more like... But if you're getting difficult, right. you should do... Uh, okay. But if we as okay. we'd be baptized in a river. Hmm? Oh. <laughs> not in a pool. Okay, don't take me down that road. Don't take me down that road now. <laughs> We're going to stay with anointing for now. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a look at that. Okay. And uh, and then what about what about other church traditions in terms of, of anointing? I'm talking about other churches. Okay. What about the holy water and the Catholics? Okay, holy water. Do they get anointed with the holy water? Oh, you don't know. No, they walk in. Is that an anointing? Okay. So there are other church traditions. Catholic confirmation, you get christened with uh, a specific oil, which is not liquid, actually. It's like mm-hmm. a, it looks like petroleum jelly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. More like a salve. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. It's, yeah. The, the, the whole process within the within the Catholicism is very different than within Protestantism, um, uh, and yet um, it's just tradition. It's just church tradition. But but the Catholics would have different types of oils for different. Uh, you know, they have all the sacraments. Okay. And so they set aside, and, and on an annual basis that comes down from the bishop, they have this oil that they set aside. They, they actually consecrate the oil, uh, and it's, it is specific oil for the specific sacraments during the course of a specific year. And when that year is up, that oil is discarded. It is no longer used. It's only consecrated for the year for the specific sacraments that it is used for. Very interesting. And that can even vary uh, from diocese to diocese within the, within the Catholic Church, which is kind of interesting. I learned that. I didn't know that. Um, and so we're, we're going to see what the differences are with the oils biblically, or if there is any difference. And then, um, is there a difference between being anointed with oil and an anointing without or is there any such thing as an anointing without oil, biblically? Mm-hmm. I thought you did this. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, when the Lord said uh, the uh, blood on the church, so they pass over, mm-hmm. that would be, could be considered an anointing. Okay. Has anybody had an anointing without oil sitting in this room? Before, before, before you answer, has anybody had an anointing without oil in this room? <laughs> there was that question inflection in your voice right. there. <laughs> we'll get to that. 
spiritual. I would say so. Um, okay. The the experience has been under, for example, like in the spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. um, through like the gift of prophecy or, or even just speaking, uh, not prophetically, just on the platform. Uh, I, I, I don't know if this is biblical, but I think that the Holy Spirit anoints the, that the, uh, the duty, the responsibility, the ministry that's going on so that the person can be empowered um, to let ministry happen. And under that anointing, God can move without actually needing the oil. Um, can you kind of consider accepting Jesus as an anointing? Okay, well, let's go to question number nine on your list. Um, can you receive an anointing from God? Yeah. yeah. Okay, does that answer the previous question then? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Can you consider a prayer uh, over somebody uh, an anointing? You, you cover them. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, well, hold that thought. <laughs> that, that is a really good question. And, of course, the last question that we will definitely answer, we're going to answer all ten of these questions as we look through uh, through uh, Scripture tonight, and that is, uh, are you yes. anointed? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Oh. Okay. How would you know that? Oh, it is written. <laughs> it is written. Let's jump in. Let's take a look at the... At the uh, at this thing from a historical perspective, and let's uh, let's start by by um, recognizing that there are there's at least a, depending on just I just used the the uh, uh, I went back to the King James that's not the Bible I study out of or read but uh, the King James Bible has 152 references to anointing with and without oil. Okay. In the Old and the New Testament, just to just to give you uh, an idea. And by the way, I, pull, I pulled them all up, and so we we can look from a concordance point of view. We can look through all of this, and it's a it's a fascinating study. Um, but um, first, let's let's decide what what anointing oil is. Now, Susan, you said earlier, Susan number two, you said earlier um, that there was different types of oil for different types of anointings. All right. Well, let's go to Exodus 49 and and, uh, and let's read that. Let's see what's we'll been time in the Old Testament before we zoom forward to the New. And you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it and all its utensils, and it shall be holy. Okay. Exodus 49. And now let's contextualize that just a little bit. But let me get there first, please. Because you're just too fast. I do this electronically because it's faster. I don't have to worry about having a book on my lap to turn pages. But it's always slower. I don't know how that works. Okay, so, uh, Exodus 49. Um, so, what is being anointed? Okay. Okay. And uh, and so this particular this particular anointing uh, was taking place uh, with or without oil. And what kind of oil was it? Anointing oil. So that's a specific type of oil, and we're talking about anointing. Okay. 
And so uh, look at let's look at Exodus 30, 22. Let's go back up one. 30, 22. Aha. Well, we just saw that there was anointing that took place and that anointing was for what? Okay, the tabernacle. That's a thing. I, I, I understand that. But is the tabernacle a person? Well, you, can go, you, you, can, you can anoint your house. <laughs> okay. are, you, are you sitting in a chair and are at least one of your feet on the ground? Okay, is this a physical plane that we're on right now? Yeah. Uh, uh, back to Exodus 40... Um, uh, nine, chapter forty, verse nine. Uh, what was being anointed? Building. Okay. And so, and everything in the tabernacle. Okay. And everything associated with the tabernacle. And the Old Testament says that all the instruments used during all the ceremonial, everything was set apart. And and um, so, so what is it that that was there that was being anointed? Okay. And that is a and in, in, in what in what form does that take? It was built, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's physical. Thank you very much. Okay, so this 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 thing that's being anointed biblically here has physical properties. My point is, it's not a person. Okay, let's not lose sight of that for just a minute. Let's go back. Let's go to Exodus 30:22. In fact, 22 through 33. So we need to read that whole section on anointing oil. Anyone? Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following signs, five cents, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cane. 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hymn of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil, and then use it to anoint the tents of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all of its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all of its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so they will be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, This is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. Do not pour it on men's bodies, and do not make any oil with the same formula. It is sacred, and you are to consider it sacred. Whoever makes perfume like it and whoever puts it on anyone other than a priest must be cut off from his people. Hmm. Where does direction come from? Uh, to? Uh, the question earlier was um, is this anointing that we're talking about. Is it a command? Yeah, <laughs> Everybody got one of these? Anybody bring just a New Testament? 
Nobody here does, of course. <laughs> I love that one with the New Believers group or something like that, you know, and somebody just comes in and they got the New Testament, and I always like to ask them, where's the other half of the Bible? It's kind of like I have a book here. Um, so what we have is that we have the whole of Scripture, right? And so we have to take into consideration the whole of Scripture, okay? God didn't give us just the half of Scripture. Uh, he gave us the whole of Scripture. And so the question was, is this a command? Now we're faced with the issue as we're looking at Exodus uh, chapter 29, where God then gives to who? Moses. Some direction. Is that a command? I don't, by definition, see how you can get around this being anything other than a very direct command of Scripture. And he told Moses that this is what I want you to do. And what else is going on here? What else is specific? Besides the fact that he gave them the recipe for this oil. This was special oil. Yes? Very special oil. Think about that for a second. How special was it? Not to be replicated for anything And the consequence of replicating this oil and using it for any purpose other than what God specifically has commanded to Moses here. Yeah, what does being cut off mean? Yeah, excommunicated. That's what that's a word that we threw on it later on, you know, as just as, as churchdom developed, right? Yeah, no, it's bad. You're done. You're banished. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, nobody wanted to be banished. I mean, God created us in such a way that we, you know, we're, we're meant for a relationship. <laughs> we, <laughs> with Him first and, and each other second. Okay? And so, um, that's pretty serious business that if you do other than what I have commanded you to do, um, you will be uh, cut off. Okay. What could this oil be used for? Do we have a problem? It was being used to uh, set things apart for God's use. Mm. Or for, for, the, for God. Mm-hmm. Well, this <coughs> command is very specific. And it has how many uses for this oil? One use. Do we have a problem? See, because we've read the rest of the book. <laughs> and we know a little bit. That's why I like asking the questions before we even start, because we've, you know, we've, we've, we've been down this road. So we, we, we talked about anointing. Now, Brenda was anointed, and there was a pretty miraculous healing that took place from this anointing. That's, that's, that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Immediately. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay. And uh, was this oil used? This, this particular recipe of oil used? Most likely not. No. Most likely not. Because it's very specific here as to what to use this oil for. Uh-huh. But that was the law. You know, oh, has it changed then? Jesus fulfilled the law, so we no longer live under the law. 
Okay, so then what we have to do, so then we don't have a problem? I don't think we have a problem. Okay, good. Because I just want to make sure, I want to make sure that we have a command. The question on the table was, is this a commandment? Do this, is this anointing that we see that is biblical, is it a command? And the answer is, there was, a, there was a couple of definite yeses over on this side, and there was a couple of, I, I'm pretty, I, I think, kind of, I'm, uh, maybe, maybe, okay, on this side. Uh, and so here we have, right here in Exodus, right out of the box here, you know, God speaks directly to, to Moses, and he tells him, this is what I want you all to do. It's a command. Alright, now do we still anoint? Yeah. Well, I don't know what that three or four people here said they'd been anointed with oil. But not with this oil. Yeah. Because it's oil specifically isn't for people. Okay. Richie and Tyler and I get together every Sunday before uh, service and we're playing, we're praying. Um that, you know, the tabernacle's not there. I mean, we don't have this oil. Um, there's no, we don't have any uh, uh, tradition uh, associated with, with any anointing um, uh, with oil, but there is an anointing that is taking place. Don't have a part of full sheep either. Okay, that's just interesting. I just want to, I'm just trying to pose a few questions in your mind here as we go forward because I think the Bible starts to answer uh, these questions that, that, uh, that we have. So this anointing was very specific. This oil was very specific in terms of its formula and the command is indeed very specific. Okay. And it can be taken quite literally, can it? And this is the Old Testament, correct? Alright, let's move forward just a little bit here. So Exodus 29.7 says okay and to contextualize that it says and Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting and you shall wash them with water then you shall take the garments put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate that gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod you shall then put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban and you shall take the anointing oil poured on his head and anoint him then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them and it, it is very specific isn't it so this, this piece about being anointed is Aaron being anointed with the oil from Exodus 30 in this passage? No. Hmm? No. Okay. I have some yeses and I have some noes. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm. Okay. Back to Exodus 30. Back to very good. So the context is is that we've got is that we've got these garments, we've got this we've got this process, we've got this we have these people. Who is Aaron? 
The high priest. This is the this is the the lineage of the priesthood here, and and so um, um, and, and so in. Uh, so where are we? Hang on, just a second. Uh, Twenty-nine-seven. Okay, let's back up because we got to get the context. Okay, mm-hmm. and so um, and and uh, he says in verse one, and this is what you shall do uh, to them to hallow them for ministering to me. Who's talking? God. Okay. And he talks about the sacrificial system, and he's talking about the anointing, and then um, next chapter he talks about the recipe. So the question on the table is, is the anointing oil that's being used here setting Aaron and his sons apart? Okay. And God wanted to set them apart. They were clearly being consecrated here for their service to God. Okay? See, because we don't even know about all the disobedience that's going to happen yet. We don't know about that part. All that that's going to go on. We don't know about all the anointings that are going to be going on. I know we've all cheated and read ahead. But the point is, is that there's this oil. We've got to deal with this oil. Okay? Because it's oil, oil, oil. In the, in the Jewish tradition, it's oil, oil, oil. And it's in this Old Testament tradition, it's oil, oil, oil. In There's today, something about this oil. In today, it's blood, blood, blood. <laughs> well, it was blood, blood, blood here too. Okay, it actually was blood and oil. But, the, but we're talking about anointing and not, not sacrificing. Okay. So, I, I think about that. Is it the same oil? I would say yes, it is. Okay. Because it's got them apart to the point that if somebody touched them, they would die. Okay. Okay, go to Leviticus 2.4. We're looking at things here that are being anointed. There's the tabernacle and everything associated with it. There's Aaron and his sons. The, the, the priesthood set aside for, for serving God. He chose them. They were set apart. They were anointed with oil. Leviticus 2.4. Go ahead. Okay. If you bring... A grain offering baked in an oven it is to consist of fine flour, cakes made without yeast, and mixed with oil or wafers, made without yeast, and spread with oil. Okay, spread. You're reading out of the NIV? Yes. And you have a new King James? Anointed. Anointed. Somebody have somebody, something else? I think the NIV is the only one that's going to say spread. Mm-hmm. Virtually all the other translations say anointed. Yeah, because in the Greek, anointed means anointed, right? As I like to say. Huh? Brushed with. Brushed with, okay. Okay, so brushed with. Excuse me? You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. Okay, is an anointing a pouring? By definition, the biblical definition, clearly. And the tradition. It started with the sheep. Oil, oil, oil. What's being consecrated here? The what? The food offering. Okay, and the 
And those food offerings are what? Okay. And, and what's the whole purpose of this offering? Sacrificial system. Okay. All right, now we're working through this thing with oil. We have this oil and we have this recipe and we have God commanding us to do it. Then. And we have, we have a very specific command for a very specific purpose and a very specific kind of oil. And yet, are we told anything about the oil that is being used here? Is this the same oil to anoint the offering? Okay. Do we have a problem? But it's an anointing. We're dealing with anointing. I don't know about your Bible. Mine clearly says that this offering was anointed with oil. So the process was the same. The word is the same. The word in the original language is the same. It's the same word that is used for the anointing that was going to take place for Aaron and his sons in the priesthood. But what's missing? What kind of oil is it? Oh, so it's a different kind of oil. Regular olive oil. Somebody read quick for me. Just, just go ahead, start in Genesis and read all the way... Um, <laughs> just a revelation if you can just go ahead and scan through that and can you find for me please where God commanded and prescribed and recipied the oil for the anointing that was taking place for this particular sacrifice you couldn't find it either That's really fascinating to me. I don't know about you, but I mean, I, you know, this whole anointing thing, it seems kind of simple, doesn't it? And it's pretty straightforward. And yet the farther I get into it, the more I realize, wait a minute. Was this sacrifice of this grain offering being set apart by this anointing? It has to be, because by definition, by God's word definition, it is being set apart. And yet it's a different oil. And it's a different oil that we're not told about. Because does God tell us everything? No, he just tells us what we need to know. Very interesting. So the sacrificial system that was in place included some commands about how to set apart these sacrifices, how to... Go ahead and, and read through the whole sacrificial system. It was a gory, bloody mess. All right? And, of course, what was that all intended and designed to do? Well, it was clearly leading to Christ. And to show that there was no way we could live up to the law. Our sinfulness. There it is. So God put the whole system in place because he knew how hard-hearted all of us are. See, we can't just throw that on the, on the Jews just because they were his chosen people and, they, and we're told about them. You, every place it says something about the Jews, just go ahead and take that out and insert yourself. Yeah, that's right. Because if you're breathing, that's the category that we're in. We're sinners, okay? And so we're just told about the Jews. I, I, I just hate that... Uh, I have great conversations with my friend Ari Benyasser that 
you know, and we, and we talk about this on a regular basis, and I said, you know, you, you get such a bad rap, you know what I mean? Um, because people don't understand, you know. And it, so this whole thing is about, is about being set apart. So we're setting apart Aaron and the priesthood with very specific oil. Now we're setting apart the sacrificial system here, and we are anointing these sacrifices. It makes it even that much more powerful because what is in the mind of those that are having to anoint the grain offering with oil. What are they thinking about? This is set apart for God. Set apart, set apart, set apart with oil. The whole priesthood set apart. And not only set apart, but set apart in such a way that it is very specific what they were doing and how they had to do it. And if it wasn't that way, you were cut off. The consequences are serious here. That's what was in them. That was what was in their mind. And how often was were sacrifices made? Oh my gosh! I, I got to get them to go to work in the morning. These people didn't have time to do anything. I mean, they were bringing you know everything from doves to, to, to bulls. I mean, this was a this was a constant thing. But intrinsic in the whole thing was this anointing that was going on. They were anointing, setting apart the sacrifice, and so they, it was almost like they were getting, uh, it was like a double dip. Okay? They were sacrificing because of their sin. There were all of these various offerings, and some of them were even more set apart. You would think that a grain offering would be pretty insignificant. Okay, there I go. You know, we're complacent. I'm going to church on Sunday. I'm going to bring my offering. You know, Richie's going to go ahead and he's going to he's going to butcher the bull right up there on the platform. You know, before the sermon, it's going to be messy. And it's a, but you know, the no big deal is I'm just going to bring my grain offering. Okay, that's a that's a no brainer. Bam, the oil on there. It's not it's not that big a deal. It was a big deal. And the reason it was a big deal is because they were thinking about the seriousness of the command that came down from God that they were going to be anointed, these priests in the line of Aaron, and that if they didn't do it just exactly right, and if the tabernacle, if everything wasn't done perfectly right, uh, they would be cut off. I think God was speaking to them in a very different way than he speaks to us. Because we understand the ultimate sacrifice. They didn't understand. We get the mindset of New Testament Christianity and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't. So when we when we do a little study like this, it's important that we have to we got to reel in. I guess it goes. Yeah, we got to reel in uh, all of our New Testament theology, and we got to think like a we got to think like we're Old Testament Jews. We would do ourselves really well when we read the Old Testament if we could get into that mindset historically. So it becomes <clears throat> it becomes quite significant. How about number sixteen fifteen? As we move forward. It's not like reading Psalms on Sunday. Whoever's there first can go ahead and read. 
And then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have, have I hurt any one of them. Hmm. Is that correct? Six fifteen. Did I say sixteen fifteen? Oh, I wrote six on the thing. I'm dyslexic sometimes. Right? Glad you're not making it annoying. I'd have to have garlic in mine. That's for sure. Okay, a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mixed with oil unleavened wafers anointed with oil and their grain offering with their drink offering. Same thing. We just looked at that. There was this anointing of an offering, right? So the point is, is that there are people being anointed, there are things being anointed, there are sacrifices that are being anointed. I'm talking about physical properties of the anointing and oil is used in every case. But we have two different classes of oil. One, we know very specifically what it is and the other, we don't know. It's oil. It's oil. It could be it's, it's oil. We'll get to that in a minute. It's oil. It's oil. Let's turn to Leviticus 8, 10 through 12. I said that right. Leviticus 8, 10. What oil was he using? How do we know that? Because we're told. Okay. He is performing an anointing because he is what? Wait, I know, but, but what, why is he? He's commanded to. Okay. <laughs> Come on, drive that into our head. Is it a commandment? Yes. Yes. It is. And he's honoring God by being obedient to the command of the Lord. And the anointing is taking place. And we know that this is the special oil, right? Okay. By virtue of what he was commanded to do and what we what we're told is happening right here. I just want to make that point. It needs to be clear. Mm-hmm. It's about oil. It is the anointing oil of Exodus 30. Okay. Verse 5 says, Moses said to the assembly, this is the Lord has commanded to be done. <laughs> there you are. Amazing. There was obedience that was happening in and amongst all the disobedience that we see. Okay. Now, um, there was a reference earlier to Psalm 23 and I put that reference there because we have to go there because we're so familiar with that most of us I think are virtually have it memorized mm-hmm. or certainly could paraphrase it well mm-hmm. right so let's turn to Psalm 23 because I think oftentimes we miss a portion of Psalm 23 <laughs> And I'll let you guess which portion I think that we sometimes miss when you read it. <laughs> okay. Okay. We, do we need to read all of Psalm 23? We know it well, and of course we, we, we could. But in the interest of time, we don't need to read the entirety of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And so what happens uh, in verse 5? 
He prepares a table for him in the presence of his enemies. You anoint my what? You anoint my head with oil. So what's happening in Psalm 23? That it was a courtesy to the people at a banquet when they anointed their head with oil. It's a lot of respect, mm-hmm. hospitality. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of what we would consider in New Testament times religiosity that is going on with these anointings. It became almost cultural in some cases. In fact, a lot of the pagan religions decided that they were going to get on the bandwagon too because it seemed like a good idea. It's interesting. This, this whole anointing that is a commandment from God right out of the box um, took on a pretty... It had a popular persona to it in and through the culture. But God had a very specific purpose in mind for this anointing that was taking place. We know that from the questions that I asked uh, at the onset that um, uh, people were anointed. Yes? For what purpose? Generally. In the Old Testament. Set them apart. And generally to set them apart for what? For God's service. So it's very common... um, is Second Kings nine three is the is the next uh, well let's just go there Second Kings nine three mm-hmm. <clears throat> then take the flask and pour the oil on your head and declare this is what the Lord said I anoint you king over Israel then open the door and run don't delay who's being anointed there king. hmm. For what purpose? Okay. What's his job? He got he got himself a new job, guys. Okay. And <laughs> how did that job come about? How did he get that job? Okay. All right. And so this anointing took place. Why? Doris. Yeah, and they they were. I just wanted you to go back and use the word the term that you used earlier. They were, what were they doing to him? Setting him apart for service. To whom? Yeah, okay. So, uh, it's interesting. Because if you look at all the kings, all the leaders over Israel, all the people in authority, over and over and over, the ritual, uh uh-oh, got to be careful with that word, don't we? But the ritual was to anoint them. How? With oil. <laughs> That's what they did. So, was oil used then throughout the entire Old Testament period for all anointings that took place? I've got 152 references here, and I, I'm just crazy enough to read them all. Um, and so, you, you look through all the Old Testament anointings that took place, and was oil, do you think oil was used in all those anointings? Yeah, predominantly. That's a, that's a good word. 
Yeah, I didn't put a percentage to it, but it looks to me like about 98% of every anointing with oil that I saw is in the Old Testament. And of all the anointings in the Old Testament, um, that same 98% used oil. And there was only, and they might have used oil in some of them, but we're just not told. Because you know how it is sometimes when you're told that, they, they were, that, that this, this, this leader was anointed, but it doesn't say he was anointed uh, with a ram's horn full of oil that was poured over his head. So you, you have to read into sometimes what was going on. And so, yes, it, there's, uh, is, it, is, is that always the case? No. What was oil used for in the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. It's specific uses. I'm talking about the property of oil. Yeah. Lamps for light. Yeah. What else? Food. What else? For healing. healing. Yeah. Ladies. What else? Perfume. Perfume. What else? That fits in the category. I was thinking cosmetics. Well, sheep. sheep. Okay. What else? I'm thinking of one thing very specific that oil was used for. Arm, okay, as a and as embalming, at lubricant, okay. When they fasted, I guess they would uh, put oil. Uh-huh. That's good. And I'm thinking about one other thing from a military context. Um, there was some of the stuff that the military guys uh, wore, uh, used leather tanning. Uh, making things supple restoration is the word I'm looking for. And so if you look back through the Old Testament about the significance of oil, we know about bread, don't we? That's the easy one for us. But as we look back in the Old Testament about oil and why this anointing with oil and what oil represents and what it's used for, we're talking about oils for, for lamps and the lamp throws off what? Light. Okay, a foreshadowing of Jesus, the whole Old Testament is. Is that a stretch? I don't think so. It is about the light. It is about the light. And then what about the what about the healing? What did Jesus come to do? He said, I came to do what? Hello? That's right. And so he came and, and he healed everywhere he went and then and then he gave then he gave the authority to others um, to, to do healing and and then this whole restoration piece, uh, that's the only one that I, I would suggest to you. It might be just a little bit of a stretch. But it was not uncommon for shields to be wrapped in leather and it was quite ornate. We're talking about people that had quite a bit of time on their hands. And so um, these shields were ornately carved with leather protectors on them and they would dry out. Where were they? They weren't at the beach. Okay. It was hot and dry. And it would dry out and they would rub this olive oil on and it would restore and it would then make supple that, that leather. This whole restoration of all the leather goods and it was done with oil and I just think through this whole foreshadowing of the whole of the Old Testament pointing to Jesus and, and what did Jesus do? He, he fits all of those molds, doesn't he? It's really interesting. So the Old Testament use of, of oil is really significant in terms of its use. It's being commanded. Um, it's being specific. Um, it's uh, ability to show us our their um, uh, their sinfulness, okay? Because it's even used in the sacrificial system. And so then we 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 fast forward to the New Testament time. Uh, now Jesus has arrived. Now now what do we do with this anointing? Jesus has come. Jesus is born. 
Praise God. Here we are. Jesus is here, okay? How do we answer the question, is there a difference between the Old Testament anointing and it being commanded, and does that transfer it to the New Testament? Because you said earlier, I'm pretty confident it was you, Dan, and it said that Jesus came to fulfill the law, but they were under the law, but Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. I'm pretty sure everybody would buy into that in this room. So Jesus came to fulfill the law, so is the command done? Okay, but we're talking about oil, not sacrifices. And anointing. Well, you just said that oil was used in anointing in a sacrificial system. Okay. Could you repeat the question? Is there a difference then now that, uh, that uh, the law has been fulfilled, that uh, Jesus has come, and there is a command to anoint with oil and to consecrate things like the tabernacle and the, the royal priesthood, and, and, and Jesus has fulfilled all of these things. And is there then a difference between a New Testament anointing and an Old Testament anointing, given the fact that, this, that the law has been fulfilled? I would say, I don't have the answer, but I just would submit this and say, you know, Jesus is a, is a king, prophet, priest. Mm-hmm. And so, and when we accept him, we can operate uh, as, like the royal priesthood. So we have the same ability to anoint things and others. That's very prophetic. So what are you as a, if you're a believer, okay, and you've been justified, what are some of the words that get that, uh, uh, what are some of the adjectives that are used to describe us? St. Scott, and what else are you? Called out, set apart, holy. Keep going. Royal priesthood. Priest. Yeah. <laughs> priest. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Okay. Okay, the priesthood. Who is the priesthood in a church? Us, the, the body of believers. The body of believers. Yeah. Okay. And we are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, you're getting to the end too quick. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You should hear her make jokes about it. But that's a whole other. Let's take a look at what this means. Uh, Let's go to Isaiah sixty-one one. Because in order to figure out what's happening in the New Testament with this royal priesthood, we are the priests. Okay, we have to start in the Old Testament to get to the New, and we have to see what Isaiah has to say about this. The oil has very medicinal medical uh, aspect in, in the Jewish life too. Without a doubt. Without, I mean, just that in itself. Suffice it to say, oil is a really important um, property of Old Testament. Um, um, in, in Old Testament times. I mean, just I'll just leave it at that. So the question is, did he have 90 apostles with the consecrated oil or just regular oil? <laughs> now that's a good question. <laughs> Isaiah 61, 1. Actually, Isaiah 61. Who has a, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a, at a new King James and, and you know how men put these headers, okay? So the Holy Spirit, um, I don't think, inspired men to put the headers in the Bible. I believe every other word in the Bible is inspired. But my New King James Version says the good news of salvation is the header uh, for uh, this section of Isaiah. And this section of Isaiah talks about, uh, talks about uh, Jesus. Okay? Somebody who's a good quick reader, read these first 11 verses, please. Well, I'm not a good <laughs> Okay. 
The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance, so they will inherit a double portion in their land. And everlasting joy will be theirs, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and inequity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes sprouts come up and a garden cotton seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Hmm. Luke 4.18 You don't have to turn there, but it says this. When Jesus was in Nazareth, He said that right out of Isaiah, He says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed what? I'm going to read that again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking, right? Okay. Who wrote Isaiah? Who penned Isaiah? Isaiah. Okay. That's pretty amazing that that book is prophetic like that. I think it was God had that designed. But anyway, I regress. In Luke... Jesus is in the synagogue and he picks up the book and he says this because it is written. He's reading Isaiah, Jesus. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. On my Bible, this is in red letters, by the way. That's always a clue to me that Jesus is the one that's speaking. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. All right, we just spent the last 11 weeks in a pretty in-depth study on what? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said. What does that mean? Go ahead, spit it out. In, in, Jesus said, the Spirit is of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. This is Jesus speaking The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Who's speaking? 
Amen, sister. So, Jesus is in the synagogue rejected. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. But that was because he was a threat. It didn't have anything to do with the fact that he was, that he was preaching the truth. And he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me. And, he, and what, did he, what did he anoint and appoint him to do? To go, preach the gospel to the poor and, and heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and, and recovery of the sight of the blind and set at liberty, liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's, the, that's a whole other issue we could go into. But, but, but he was, Jesus was anointed by oil? Wait a minute. I think I asked the question early on. Is oil necessary to be anointed? Did everybody say no? If you were wondering, the answer is no. Okay. The Holy Spirit. There's a lot of theology here. God, the Holy Spirit, anointed Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, for this work. Is that awesome? For what? Is that awesome? I mean, just rest in that for a second. I mean, here we are. God, the Holy Spirit, anointed the God-man, Jesus to do his work of ministry. Very specifically, Jesus said. Well, God anoints us for whatever we're called to be a part of in the truth. Mm. Even if it's sweet and slower. <coughs> we're going to get to that question in just a second because you know, the last question... What's so great about it is that uh, I, I think you can totally grasp what is being said but it is very hard to put into words. Mm. But the Holy Spirit just has allowed us to understand what He meant, even though we can't speak it. Absolute foolishness to almost anybody else that walked in off the street without the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. It's foolishness. He said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What scripture was fulfilled? <laughs> His prophecy. There it is. And why is that important? That 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 that, that prophetic message was was fulfilled. <laughs> Just like all of other, all of, of all of God's other promises and prophecies, so far, so far he's batting a thousand. So far, he's batting a thousand. Therefore, we can count on the rest. I'm very confident, as I sit here today, that the God that I serve, that I don't understand, <laughs> because who can fathom the things of God? Yeah. Um, and he has opened the, this door, very a small little window. He has opened to us to see his glory. Okay, And fulfill prophecy is just one way. And understanding that an anointing is an, is is a is a is a is a powerful thing. This this anointing with 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 oil that is symbolic. 
and without oil, which is not symbolic. Because the anointing of Jesus by the Holy Spirit is the same anointing I would submit that we will read in just a second that each of us has. That each of us has. The context here, this was after uh, he had been uh, baptized by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit did descend on him. Amen. Amen. Which is a whole other mind boggling idea. it's not even an idea, it's a truth that, that Jesus was baptized first I still, I still, try, to, I'm, I still try to work through that um, and yet he was baptized and, and at that baptism the power of the spirit in the form of a dove came, came on him this prophecy fulfilled, he says today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing as he's sitting in the synagogue there and, uh, and he's talking about this anointing of the Holy Spirit that is on him this is Jesus and it brings a whole nother meaning, I don't know to you, but to me in terms of what it means to try to live a life of Christ-likeness. Without the Holy Spirit is impossible. And of course, we, but being a Christian, that's exactly what we are supposed to do. Okay? And uh, we have to do it with a sin nature. Okay? And we look forward to the day, of course, that we don't in perfection which is going to be glorious and that it's very difficult for us to conceive of that because we don't live in that in that world can anybody receive an anointing of God can everybody receive an anointing of God you have to be a believer you have to be a believer Bachelor disagrees Scott doesn't know well, there might be circumstances because back in the Old Testament, certain people were in line with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's look at one. God can do anything He wants. But that's not the question. We know that to be the truth. The question is can anybody, we have a yes, can anybody be anointed by God? God chooses to anoint them, Okay. Because you're right. That is the right answer. You could go to, uh, back to Isaiah 45, 1. You don't have to turn there. But the story, there is a story of a man that was going to become the king of Israel. And he did not know the Lord. He did not walk in God's ways. In our terminology today, we would say he's an unbeliever. He didn't recognize God, and yet God anointed him and his leadership, and it was for what reason? God's purposes. Okay. God used someone, on telling it's been happening all around us. We're told of one specific incident here where God used somebody in authority. Use your imagination, guys. God used somebody in authority, politically speaking, for his purposes. Now, would a, would a point be the same as anointing? No. As God says, he places all the presidents and everybody in office. And it depends on... It de- by the biblical definition that we're using, right. 
But yeah, but it says God places you That's that's very true. It's a good question for another day. The point is that you don't have to be a believer to receive an anointing of God. Where did you get that story? Isaiah 45. One. What is the story? The, the story is of Cyrus who was used and appointed by God to be the, to be the king of Israel. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was the farthest thing from wanting to be uh, a man of God. Okay, but God used him for his purposes. And we're not even told everything that would be nice to know about that particular story, but we are told things that are important, like he wasn't walking with God. He wasn't concerned about the things of God. He was a non-believer, and he yet was used powerfully by God. And why God chose him as opposed to somebody else, we'll have to We can ask that question at some other time. It's not revealed to us. But it clearly is somebody that was being used by God that would be uh, out of the box. Okay, interesting. So no, you don't have to be a follower. You don't. Makes me wonder, just in this country, you know, leaders, other countries, leaders, is God using for that very reason that we know that scripture that says that God placed them there so we're to be in submission to them. Hmm. That's a head scratcher, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's a head scratcher. <coughs> Are you anointed? Okay. Let's look at Acts 10.37. We'll close with these last three. Acts 10.37 and 8. Time somebody better read. Oh, okay. <laughs> that the word that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we saw this anointing of Jesus, which was a prophetic um, uh, which was prophetic from, from Isaiah, which was, which was fulfilled when Jesus was in the synagogue. And here it is again in the book of Acts in the early church talking about Jesus being anointed by God. And what? What else? What was the anointing? With the Holy Spirit. He anointed the Lord Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And what? Yeah, they're synonymous. All throughout our study of the last 11 weeks and looking at the Holy Spirit and power, and you don't want to overemphasize power because then, then we'll go way too far. I'll just leave it at that. We don't want to overemphasize that because it has to be balanced. But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit anointed and comes with power. It's synonymous. First John 2.18 We're looking at these scriptures in the context of the question, are you anointed? 1 John 
You'll get there. Yeah. I, I added a couple of scriptures up front there because I got to contextualize this a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. 218 through 23. Little children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, Mm -hmm. they would have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Mm -hmm. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So, in the context here, somebody's being anointed. Is there oil involved? What's involved? Let's go to the last scripture, 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Speaking to us now. Okay, speaking to us, whole life by Christian fellowship, or any other healthy, well-balanced, Bible-believing, Christ-centered church on the planet, but we happen to be here right at the moment. Okay, Second Corinthians one twenty-one and twenty-two. Go ahead. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. Hmm. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Who anointed us? With what? Never had a drop of oil on my body in my whole life in the context of an anointing. Am I anointed? Are you? Are you? Amen. As believers, we are anointed by God. The anointing took place when? At that point of justification, there is one point of no return. You put your faith in Christ. The anointing took place through the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been looking at for the last 11 weeks. Okay, And so, as we have been anointed with the Holy Spirit for the work, isn't it interesting that no oil was necessary and yet the formula is the same? The recipe that was used for the anointing oil that at that time was viewed as the most sacred, holy, set-apart thing that if I, if I got anywhere outside of the command of God, I would be cut off. You might as well be dead. You might just as well be dead. That was a very specific formula. 
the same formula within the context of Jesus fulfilling the law has been used for every person since that has put their faith in Christ. An anointing at that point of justification of the Holy Spirit takes place. That's just incredible. The tie-in between those two things, when you look at it, in the context of the anointing that we have, is not only is it undeniable, it's, it's such a spectacular thing that it's hard to, it's hard to even fathom. Because we think about that whole Old Testament time as being so, oh, that's so far away, I can't relate to that. I submit to you, you can relate to it. I submit that we can relate to it. Because it is the same God that loved those people and wanted to put all of that before them so that they could recognize, really, their need for Him. And it is the same God that has deposited this Holy Spirit. It's just waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting. Just patiently waiting. One of those attributes of God that is a fruit of the Spirit. He's just patiently waiting for us to say, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. I'm, I, I, I'm, I can't do it without you. He's waiting. And when we get to that point, the anointing takes place. Mm-hmm. Without oil. It's a pretty fabulous thing. Yeah. Why don't we anoint with oil in the church? Because did we answer that question yet? No, we didn't answer that question. That was the question on the three by five card. Why don't we anoint with oil in the church? We don't have to. Could we? Absolutely. Should we? Maybe. Maybe. Is it okay? Absolutely. Is there anything wrong? with going to a healthy, well-balanced, Christ-centered Bible-believing church that never anoints anybody with oil? Of course. Of course. The Old Testament law has been fulfilled. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment. And we can anoint with oil or not. It is a personal choice. Even our friends, the Catholics, I would submit to you, have traditions that are totally okay depending on what you pour into it. Because you've got to be careful about what a Catholic believes. But in the context of just using oil for an anointing, if it is symbolic and it is not detrimental to a biblical construct, meaning that they don't pour a bunch of, of, of um, inappropriate doctrine into it, okay, there's nothing wrong with it. And there would be nothing wrong in this church if we had three bottles of oil sitting on that table right over there, each one of them set aside and for special baby dedications and for healing, for prayer and healing, and for, pick one, something else. There would be absolutely nothing wrong if an anointing took place for healing if somebody were sick in this place tonight and we circled around them, laid hands on them, prayed, and anointed them with oil. Nothing wrong so why don't we? It's a choice. Were you going to address James uh, 5, 
14 because I think that tells the difference between uh, the Old and New Testament. It says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make him whole. And is that is that a command? Yeah. And is that a command for the apostolic age only? No. No. Period. Period. So you would interpret that literally? Okay. Anybody have a problem with that? No, of course not. Anywhere that you can interpret the, the scriptures literally, you should. Mm. And so, you know, hermeneutics is a pretty interesting thing. So, to the extent that we can interpret that literally, we should. So, so here's a lady right here. I love this lady. And she, at one point at a church in this valley, right, was sick. And she was anointed with oil. And God used that. And she was healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Okay? That was that was somebody that took it literally. Do we take everything literal in the uh, and we're running over okay, go. Do we take everything literal that we interpret and, and then put it into practice in the church today? No. We don't. Something to really consider, isn't it, Marvin? I mean, I don't know about you. But the farther I dive into Scripture, the more I, you know, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know, <laughs> and I and I really need to work through this and prayerfully consider what the things are that that, that we do and how should we do them. There's still some questions in my own mind. <clears throat> some people will take this just as a formula, like a doctor says, take this pill right. and you'll get better. And on the other hand, this prayer of faith. When does that prayer? In faith, do it, and when does that prayer not in faith not do it? Amen, brother. There it is. That's a question because, well, because that passage in James uh, says quite specifically uh, there's something there's something very powerful about not the anointing with oil. It's the faith. Okay? And if you look at the rest of Scripture, and if you interpret that on the balance of all of Scripture, um, you know, the Scriptures have a lot to say about faith and the power of faith. You have to be very careful with the faith deal because um, some people will pray for people to be healed, and if they're not healed, they'll turn around and say, that's because you don't have faith. So it's a very, very... Well, you have to be very discerning, and that's why. Right. But it can, it's a new Christian that can, it can destroy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amen. So the answer to the question is why don't we anoint with oil in the church today? Because you don't want Like they used to. No, like they, like they used to. I, because that's the assumption. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we don't have a whole lot of traditions yet. <laughs> well, yeah, we're a three-year-old, four-year-old church. Two, two years in this building. Two years in a real church building from a Saturday night, right? Uh, Bible study to a church. And, um, and that's, a pra- that's a practice that we have not employed. And yet, um, 
there have been, uh, from the pastoral point of view, there have been uh, oil anointings that have taken place. And there are anointings. I'm telling you, I, I shared with you earlier, and then we're going to go, we're going to pray, go. Um, <laughs> there, there is an anointing that takes place every Sunday morning in this place before Pastor Richie gets up to, to the pulpit. And, um, and that, that anointing is a prayer over God's word that is going to be spoken so that God would, uh, would get the glory. And it is not Pastor Richie that is speaking. He is merely the vessel whom the power of the Holy Spirit worked in and through during the course of the week for the message that God had for him to present. It is God's word being presented through, through the pastoral um, uh, team. And, uh, and that anointing takes place uh, prior to anything that happens here on a Sunday morning. And of course, throughout the week. But I bring it up specifically for the Sunday morning. Because we do that over Richie and that message. Amen? Amen. Cool. Yeah.